<laughs> Tim Hortons is the only thing that survived the apocalypse, and we all know it. Yes. Like, I bet you the war in Asgeta is, like, a land war to see who can claim the Tim Hortons at any given time. <laughs> like, Rowan is just like, no, get out, and bring me a 20-piece Timbits. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our The 100 Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 21-year-old film student from Alberta, Canada. A few things about me. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas. My favorite color is heliotrope. I'm Slytherin as heck, and my favorite sport is watching television. You can hit me up if you ever need to know anything about any minor character that has ever existed on The 100 or Lost. I run at The 100 Script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. My name is Brittany Ray, and I am a 27-year-old writer in Vancouver, BC. In my spare time, I genuinely enjoy long walks on the beach and then leaving said beach to go watch TV. My favorite show of all time is Battlestar Galactica. I think Jurassic Park is a cinematic masterpiece, and my Hogwarts house is very obviously Hufflepuff. I'm on Twitter at at Britanni with an underscore where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. Today we have words to say about episode 401 of the 100 Echoes. Wow. Wow, that was a lot of words. <laughs> the people need to know. They do. Um, so we're back. We're back, bitches. did season three over on the giantist yes we well we did i joined you for i think 308 to the end oh yeah yeah it feels like longer it feels like we've known each other our whole lives wow that's beautiful let's be best friends forever okay okay let's seal it with a sacrifice too far yeah okay Okay, <laughs> but we did cover season um, so three. So the way that we're kind of gonna go about at least this episode, because it really depends on the episode, is we're gonna go like character by character, depending on what we have to say. And just so everyone knows, this is not a recap podcast like it was when we were with the giantist. So if you have not seen the episode, this would be a bad thing for you to do to listen to this. <laughs> It's like when people, when you're watching a movie and you get to the director's commentary and they're like, well, if you haven't seen the movie, this is definitely going to spoil a movie. Yeah, probably don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. So um, go watch it and then um, come back and talk to us for a while because we're going to be making some terrible jokes and hopefully at least one bad pun. Yes. Yes. I mean, our, our like podcast network name is just one bad pun. So you know what you're getting when you come into this. I think you'll find it's the greatest pun of all time. <laughs> um, so the first character we're starting with is, of course, Clark. Can we talk about Clark's costume for a second? Sure. Um, poor Eliza having to run around in that corset. Oh my gosh. Like, the, the, the costume itself is really cool, and there's, like, gold foil where, like, the little holes in her shirt are, but I was like, oh, girl, how are you gonna spend this whole season in a corset? I hope she doesn't. I hope, I hope she doesn't, too, but in other non-irrelevant news... Um, let's talk about Clark's actual character. Okay, so the first note that I have for, that's relevant to Clark at all, is that, like, Octavia came, like, climbing down the tower, and then her and Bellamy just, like, show up. What? This is the biggest question of the episode. How did they get down the tower? Magically the elevator works again, or, like, I don't know, but, like, that doesn't seem plausible to me. 
Did we miss something? I don't think so. I feel like in the season three finale, they just climbed the tower, but no one could feel the pain of climbing the tower. So, like, Kane has this ladder, mm. climbs up it, and I'm, like, I'm just assuming that his arms are just dead by now. But how <sighs> did that... What? They blew up the elevator. Especially after he had, like, crap put into his wrists, and he's like, I can climb this. Yeah. And, like, Murphy literally points out in the finale, he's like, well, we've got no way down. And then we get to <laughs> season four, and they're like, well... We're all on the ground and we're not going to talk about how we got here. We're down now. And up there is who? Miller and Jackson? Yeah. And Pike's body that no one knows what's going to happen to? And and Brian. Poor Brian. Little Brian. Oh, we'll Brian. see him next episode. We will. I love little Brian. But so yeah, Clark gets down and she's like, y'all, we're down here. And also we're all dying. So that's cute. I really love that the whole idea of Clark is that she's really good at coming up with the alternative plans. So mm-hmm. I, for real, did not see Clark coming up with surrendering and then pulling a bait and switch that quickly. Did not see that she's coming. So smart. She's so smart. How? I don't know. Like when I saw, and even pulling Jaha into the plan. Oh, I have thoughts on that later. I know, but like, for now, one, kind of proud of Jaha for being a team player for once in his life. And two, that Clark was like, I know how, I know what our Trojan horse is, and it's Octavia in a shroud. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. She's so smart. She gets it from her ma. From her ma. Uh-huh. Um, I also think it's funny that Bellamy's like, I need a break from saving your life, and immediately goes back and just, like, gets zero break. She's like, yeah, I'll give you a break, and then gets a knife put to her throat again. And he's like, don't! Bellamy will never have a break from worrying about any of the delinquents. And I feel like he needs to accept that. So my next Clark thing is that, like, Clark fully ships Cabby at this point. She's so on board, which I kind of, I guess we saw a little bit of a hint of at the end of season three. But to sort of see her accepting it and just sort of getting it, that was really cool. I think, like, it's... It's interesting because she spent so many seasons being like, I hate my mom because of what she did to my dad. But now she has found a way to, like, be happy for her mom. And I think that's great. I think maybe, yeah, because I think she accepted the fact that, like, Abby did what she had to do in order to try and protect Clark. And, like, that Jake knew the consequences of of his actions just sort of, like, mirrored with the Finn situation. Mm -hmm. Where someone makes a decision and you kind of have to deal with the fallout of their decision. So Clark clearly has come to forgive her mom over the course of three seasons. The thing that cracks me up is that Clark was gone for most Mm -hmm. of season three. So at one point, did she kind of look at that and go, wait, when did that happen? (laughs) Like, the thing is that, like, the way that she knew Kane on the arc was, like, this jerk. And now, like, she's gotten to see... I mean, how much of his character development? Because a bunch of his character development was up in space where she was not. So, like, at one yeah. point she, like, left the left the arc and then came, as soon as Kane came down and she saw him, she was just like, oh, who's that guy? He's your new dad, Clark. Just kidding. <laughs> All respect to Jake Griffin. All respect. Yes, so much respect to Jake Griffin. I feel so many people disrespect Jake Griffin. I'm like, no, guys, he was great. I disrespect people who disrespect <laughs> Jake Griffin. 
Yes. You give disrespect, you get disrespect back. <laughs> That's a good life motto. Put it on a shirt. Was, God, you beat me to the joke. Put it on a shirt. <laughs> you get, you give disrespect, you get disrespect. I'm so smart. Put it on a poster in an elementary school. Okay. But it what has to be over an far? inspirational image. Yes, like a whale. Like a whale. Okay. I was thinking like a mossy yeah. forest, but I like the whale better. Mm. I mean, like, whales are like kind of overused in those. Like, use them and they're just like. Believe in yourself. Goals. <laughs> yeah. You can achieve. Free will. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next Clark thing I have is about the Lexa talk, which was four lines long, but four lines longer than I think anyone expected. Yeah, but th- it happened. Yeah. So my question for you is, when do you think Abby figured the Lexa thing out? Oh man, I feel. Um, do you think she could tell in season two, or do you think it was a season three thing? It was probably a season three thing. I wonder if it was maybe after like when cat when cabby is in the the room and then clark comes in and she's like i'm not hugging you mom or whatever you know which <laughs> she part was too I'm cool about? yeah she was too cool to hug her mom yeah and she, like i guess i don't know i would have to think about it more and i just don't have time or the brain capacity to do that okay well this is a subject i've thought about okay well please say more intelligent words than i have I think it was when Clark bowed down and like to Lexa uh, and then chose to stay. Mm. I think I think Abby kind of tilted her head like a puppy and went, "Oh, okay, okay." And then she just Clark kept staying there, so Abby was like, "Well, something's going on." Did Abby know about her relationship with Finn? She must have done. Yeah, she did. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, at some point. Oh, Finn. Anyway, can we, in relating to Lexa, can we talk about how heartbreaking it was that Clark was looking down at the flame and then looking up at Kane and Abby? Oh, she's like, look, some love. Guess I'll never get any of that again. That was like, that brought me real pain. I was like, her mom has someone that she loves, but Clark doesn't have that anymore. Sigh. I'm really sad about it and I'm really sad for Clark but I do think it was an amazing ploy Mm -hmm. to keep the flame until the very last minute and then she was like I have to give this up as my last bargaining chip for Rowan give my bargaining chip to the bargaining chip (laughs) chip talk chip face anyway okay so like a moment where I just like burst out laughing it's when they, like, pull Clark into where Rowan is, and they're like... So, like, is it Rowan or Roan? They keep changing it. Eliza, as Clark, pronounced it as Rowan. Okay. But I think everyone pronounces it differently. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe I'll just switch it up whenever I feel like it then. Okay. So, they they bring her in, and they're like, as you requested, or whatever. And then <laughs> they do, like, this weird <laughs> push in on his face the camera that's just like whoosh like right on his face and then he's like no get out and I just like burst out laughing especially because he's wearing this stupid crown oh the crown 
He looks so funny. Also, his like voice is so low and he looks so sinister with this dumb crown on and he's just like, no, get out. It was so funny. I And I like that the shot was like from above. So you're yeah. like getting like a real close up shot of like Zach's nose. You can't tell, but I'm getting like so close to the microphone now. Like this is how close I am. No, get out. That's how, it, that's how they like command people in Asgeta. Did you not know that? Uh, sorry, I'm not an expert on Asgeta. You think you would be? They are our people. That's true. Get it together, woman. They're like, snow! That, that's all they say. Snow, ice, <laughs> a constitutional monarchy. Tim Hortons! Tim Hortons is the only thing that survived the apocalypse, and we all know it. Yes. Like, I bet you the war in Asgeta is like, a land war to see who can claim the Tim Hortons at any given time. <laughs> like, Rowan is just like, no, get out and bring me a 20-piece Timbits. <laughs> and none of the cream cheese ones or we're done. Or we're done. Even though that one's my favorite for the record. Wait, Robin, important question. What is your favorite Timbit? Oh my god, um, chocolate glaze. Good answer. Good answer. Yes. Always. One time when I was in like ugh, grade eight or something, I went on a road trip with my best friend at the time and her family. We went to like Edmonton or something and we were like, let's stop at Timmy's. And they were like, what's your favorite Timbit? And I was like, um, chocolate glaze. And they got a 20 piece chi- like Timbit that was just chocolate glazed. Those are real friends. It was incredible. What do you think Rowan's favorite Timbit is? Mm. I don't want him to be one of those guys who likes the powdered ones. Okay. Okay. But he's also not one of those guys who, like, just has the ones that are, like, just plain. You know which ones I'm talking about? Yeah. The the worst ones. Like, don't even have any, like, icing on them? Yeah. Those ones who are just, like, the bran muffin of Timbits. And it's like, why did you even put that in the mix? It's like, I didn't ask for this. For the record, Rowan's favorite one is whatever one has, like, frosting on it because it's, like, ice. Also, mine is birthday cake. Yeah. Nice. Continue, continuing on, we were talking about Clark. Yeah, let's talk about Prime Fire. Yes. Have we heard that before? I feel like maybe. No, we've heard like a word close, which was like Promheta, which is what they yeah. called. Becca. Like first commander. Yeah. So I'm guessing. Something like first explosion, first fire. Yeah. Which is interesting. When did Lexa tell Clark that? Maybe... Um, that one time when they were, like, just chilling in bed, but before we showed up. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like imagining, like, uh, us being, like, in the room, I guess, when, like, like, suddenly we just pop in and they're like, oh, better say the important stuff now. Oh my god. <laughs> that's why, that's why I thought it was funny when I said, when, like, right before we showed up, as if we just walked in. It's literally the real world, the hundred. It's true. Let's also talk about, like we talked about before, him giving her the flame. So other than the emotional repercussions, what kind of repercussions are there for that? Because like, they don't have anyone to put it in, right? Oh, you mean Clark giving Rowan the flame? Yeah, like what is he going to do with it other than just like have it so people follow him? Okay, so my main question is, do the grounders know exactly what the flame is? Hmm. I feel like no. Like, I think they know that it symbolizes the power of 
Hada, and that it means that you get the wisdom of the previous commanders, but, like, does Rowan have any clue that that thing has to go inside someone? I feel like... The, I mean, the only people who know that are, like, Clark's people and, like, Murphy, right? And I guess... Uh, oh, and the random mysterious grounder in the crowd. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who just knows things. I feel like Rowan would know, but I feel like any regular grounder would just be like, yeah, that's important or whatever, but, like, wouldn't think that, like, that is all of the commanders, you know? Yeah, I think they know that, like, the flame is tied to Nightbloods and that Nightbloods are the only people who can take the flame, but... The specifics of, like, the science part of it must only be known to the Flame Keepers. Right. Okay. So, does Rowan know he can't? Like, he knows that they need a Nightblood, but mm -hmm. do you think Rowan's actually going to look for a Nightblood? I mean, I think, I feel like the only people who are holding back their Nightbloods are Asgeta. And if he doesn't know about it, then, like, I don't think there are any more. Unless it's, like, a baby. Oh, oh, tiny baby. He's like, Ashende Superius, baby. Oh my god. Don't. Also, you're a huge nerd for remembering exactly what they say. Wow! Um, I'm just, like, trying to be a professional podcaster here. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry you don't remember it. Yeah, now I kind of feel like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I also just did a rewatch. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. I do have one more Clark point, which is um, with Clark and Abby. Okay. I am so grateful that they actually had meaningful interactions in this episode because mm -hmm. I feel like they actually had more scenes with more emotion in this than they did through all of season three. I would almost agree. Yeah. Yeah, because they hardly saw each other. I mean, I would almost... Think I mean one of my favorite Clark and Abby moments in season three was like at the very end when they actually had a moment where they were she was like I'm sorry for all the bad things I did you know yeah that was incredible yeah that was like in, like so good for, on both of their parts but like I'm hoping that this is the start of more of those this season yeah them as them more as like a united team because we haven't really seen them as a team. Since, I don't, I don't even know when, because in season two, they were more, like, at each, at odds, and then season three, they didn't see each other. So, like, Abby putting her trust in Clark and Kane putting her trust in Bellamy to get things done in Arcadia while those two stay behind in Polis, that's, like, a huge moment for all of those characters. Yeah, because usually they would be like, you need an adult. <laughs> But now they're all on, and this is something that Eliza said at Unity Days, which is that the divisions between kids and adults doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just who can get the job done and everyone respects each other, which is really cool. Okay, um, we're going to move on to our points about Bellamy. Bellamy. Um, Theory, Echo has a big crush on him. Oh my god, it's so real. He, she super does, especially, like, if, if the ending scene wasn't enough to, like, tell you that she totally does, then, like, doesn't she, 
she's just like, hey, sorry um, about the whole Mount Weather thing. Um, and also, I'm really sorry that we couldn't save your girlfriend. Oops. But, like, we're good, right? But, like, we can still hang out, right? I, I only talk to Bellamy. I don't talk to anybody else. But, like, literally. So, um, I'm not talking to anybody else except for Bellamy. That's probably Echo and her most teenage girl. Exactly. I yeah. think that that's real. But I do believe Bellamy when he says, mm-mm, we ain't friends. Oh, yeah, that's that's an unrequited yeah. crush for sure. Poor Echo. Really? No. No. <laughs> Echo screwed them all over. But it's just yeah. like, I think because I really like the idea of Echo as like an Asget and spy, I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, girl, I want to mm-hmm. see more of you, even though you are sneaky as hell. Sneaky as hell. Okay, I also want to talk about the Murphy Me gun swap. <gasps> talk about the Murphy Me gun swap. Aww. That's my, that's most of my feelings. <laughs> He's just like, hey guys, what's up? And Bellamy's like, here you go, Murphy. Uh, I trust you. We had a, we had an elevator ride and now you're my friend again. And Murphy's like, thanks, bro. See you later. I'ma go. <laughs> like, was he... Was he, like, originally kind of being like, yep, I'm going to do this, and then, like, saw something and was just like, mm-mm. Yeah, I for sure think that he was going to go ahead and try and be, like, not so much, like, the good guy or the hero, because, like, you know, it's Murphy. He wants to try and do the right thing, but his self-preservation instincts overrode that. Yeah. Which I respect about him. I I love Murphy so much. I know you do. You're in the number one Murphy fan club holder. Mm-hmm. President. I'm the president, and Richard's the vice president. We decided at Unity Days, so. Quite literally, we're, we're that president, happened. We're president and vice president, and we're also in love. The end. Okay, moving on. Whoa, who's going to tell Suchin? Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, well, I guess. Like, Suchin proposed marriage to you. What are you doing? Uh-oh. Both! <laughs> Polyamory. There, done. Into it. Let's go. Anyway. Fixed it. Moving on. Um... Uh, also, going back to Bellamy's conversation with Echo, um, uh, she's like, oh, well, how are they going to do that without an army? <gasps> and Bellamy's like, ooh. And I'm like, ouch. But, but like, the thing is that she didn't even know. No, she just kind of sh- shot in the dark for she's like, okay, well, Sky Crew did this, not knowing that, oh, Bellamy helped. And she could, like, tell. Yeah. That was kind of one of those moments where I was like, how can she tell so quickly? Well, I mean, I could see it in his face, too. But at the same time, like, I knew, right? So, like, how could she tell without having all of that, like, previous knowledge? Yeah. That's one of those um, suspensions of disbelief, I guess. Yeah. Bellamy, like, it's not something that gets forgotten that Bellamy did that. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he has to live with it. Like, even Kane was like, you know, we live with it, but turn the page and keep going. Mm-hmm. And, like, I also liked how he, how they brought up Gina. Gina was real! I mean, they didn't, like, say, sorry about Gina, but, like, they brought her up. Mm-hmm. So she existed. Not just in our dreams. She did. She existed to get fridged, but she existed. Mm-hmm. So this, like, thing that she comes up and gives them at the end, she's like, this is, I call, I wrote down, safety thing. I have no idea what it is. I think it looked like something that came off the front of the Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones and the Rangers of the Lost Ark. Oh, that's it. That's what it is. But it was really cool, right? Like, I want that on my wall. Yeah, it was cool. And, like, I, yeah, 
I want to like take a guess on what it is, but like I genuinely have no idea. So and or like where they got it, I don't know. Who is the blacksmith in Polis? Yeah. We need to know. Who comes up with the graphic design of all of the clans? Like, do they actually have, like, an in-house graphic designer and then they pass it along to the blacksmith who forges this all? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to assume that that's what's happening until I'm told otherwise. But, like, so it had holes in it. Do you think it does anything? Hmm. I'm, like, looking at it in my head. And I, it feels like the sort of thing where you press a button and then it, like, transforms. And then you can, like, throw it like a ninja star. Uh, that is way cooler than my idea. What was your idea? Like that you just like put it in like a secret next to like a secret door and then it melts into the door and then it opens. I like both of our ideas. Okay, well then we're going with both. Okay. Both is good. I think that it's a multi-tool of whatever you need it to do. Okay. Okay. And (laughs) maybe we'll never see it again. (laughs) I I feel like it's going to be relevant though. Hang on, I'm just looking at it right now. Okay. Okay, it has a bunch of holes in it. This thing definitely does something. Hmm. It Okay, so the top of it has um a circle that's imprinted in silver with the Asget in hand. Okay. And then at the bottom has the little cross thing, which is a sign of the Plains Riders clan. Oh. So that's interesting. Yes. I still don't think I have like any intelligent guesses other than Ninja Star. Okay, well then you know what? We're gonna go with Ninja Star. Okay. I mean, we'll probably learn more things. And we'll we'll file that away for later. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Kane's dad talk. I thought it was great. I liked it too, but also when he said things like, maybe you'll deserve to survive, what didn't feel very Kane to me, because it, it sounded to me like he was saying, right now you don't. So make it better. Hey, friend. Hey. Do you know where he got that from? Where? Abby. Was it Abby? In the pilot. In, in the, the pilot? Oh my god, yeah! The, she says to Kane, I choose to make sure that we deserve to stay alive. Yes, I remember, <gasps> I remember. So there's a neat little parallel for you. Marcus Kane is learning so much from Abby Griffin. Ah, they were all just like, this reminds me of season one. And there's a reason because all the lines come from there. Yep. It's just a remake of season one. Which I'm fine with, because season one was great. So where is Mbege? <laughs> I need to stop Don't. bringing up Mbege. Robin's number one obsession. For those of you who didn't join us in season three, Robin has this thing where she knows the names of every single delinquent that landed on Earth. I don't. Only the ones that were given names. And she is obsessed with the Johns. I love the Johns because Murphy had like a friend for 3.2 seconds and then he was the first one who was killed by the grounders and maybe that's why Murphy's so sad. That's That has to be it. But then he never brings up Mbege again and I'm just like, but you were the Johns. But then he came back in the flashback episode last season and I was like, so you remember him, <laughs> writers? Hello? Anyway, Mbege's not... I just love him and Murphy as a, like, team. My favorite delinquent who died is either Adam or Miles. Anyway, you remember these two people? Shout out to Fox. Okay, you, your favorite can be Fox, but my favorites are Adam Kay. and Miles. Do you remember these people? Of course I remember Adam, because his name was spelled A-T-O-M, and I was like, cool. I know, I love that. 
Remember Miles? Uh, was he the one who really wanted to be on Bellamy and Clark's, like, away team squad? Yeah, I think it was Finn and Clark, actually. Oh, was it? Okay, my bad. It was. Yeah, and then he was just, I was, like, so excited to meet him, and then he, like, you know, died, and I was like, ah. So what we've learned here is that Robin's bad at spotting red shirts. (laughs) I was like, this is my new favorite character, like a moron. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, buddy. Whatever. I'll point out the red shirts to you from now on. Thank you. Okay. And then my last Bellamy point is the fact that he called Clark princess again. Which everyone seems to be divided on. They either love it or they hate it. I love it. I like that the nickname was reclaimed because I feel like it was half condescension um, when Finn gave it to her. Yeah. And I feel like Bellamy now it's an affectionate nickname. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of sweet. I liked it. Um, But regarding the Bellamy and Kane thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've seen like a lot of sort of like everyone's like, what did that speech mean? To me, mm-hmm. it was kind of Kane absolving both he and Bellamy of what happened in season three. Kane when he tried to choke Bellamy in the City of Light, right? And Bellamy obviously with everything that happened. I feel like that's just sort of like a clean slate thing. I don't know. Some people liked it. Some people didn't. Yeah, I could be swayed. Okay, I could maybe take another look at it too. I could be swayed um, after hearing whatever MetaStation has to say about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Shout out to Claire and Aaron. That's one for Claire and Aaron for sure. Okay, so the next one we have is any points regarding Kane, Abby, and Jaha that we haven't already discussed. Yeah, we talked a lot about the cabby stuff. Um, we saw me have a meltdown in real time over all of that. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't, I was extremely excited because I am a very, like, my favorite ship on the show is Kane and Abby. Yeah. And the little scene, I was hoping from the finale of last year that at some point they would acknowledge the fact that, like, Abby unwittingly, like, crucified Kane and the fact that they took the time to acknowledge that and for Abby to try and, like, apologize for it and Kane just absolved her of it immediately. Just like Indra absolved him of him crucifying her. Mm -hmm. It was just... Such a nice moment. So, like, are we supposed to, like, automatically forgive Jaha? I'm not down with that. I'm not down with it either, because, like, he comes out and he's like, what have I done? And Kane goes, what have we done? And I'm just like, okay, but no. Don't take that responsibility on. I'm like, girl, that is not your problem. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, like I know that's, like, your thing. Like, like, they're doing the thing where Jaha and Kane are just like, I'm, I'm the bad guy. No, I'm the bad guy. No, I'm the bad guy. No, stab me. No, stab me. No, I'm going to be left in space. No, I'm going to be left in space. No, just let Jaha be crap. It literally is the, no, I'm going to pay for our sins. Like, volley. (laughs) Yeah. Which, okay, here's my question for you. Okay. And we talked about this a bit in season three is how, to what extent do you hold Jaha responsible for what happened? I think I hold him like pretty responsible. He was like the first one. And like, he was already pretty leery at the end of season two of Allie. And like, she's like, here's a giant missile. And he still was mm-hmm. just like, okay, sure. And then started being this guy who was just like, here you go. Cause like, I don't know how much, of, like, him being Allie's right-hand man this whole time has been just Allie. But also I'm thinking, like, 
if Jaha's her right hand man, because he's he's persuasive to all the Ark people, as soon as she got Abby, or as soon as she got Cain or something, I feel like Jaha should have been like cast out because he's less credible than them. But instead, he was still there and just being like, you know what I mean? No, that's a totally. I didn't think about it that way. Logistically, Cain and Abby would have been far more useful pawns than Jaha. And because he's still right beside her and all of those things, it makes me feel like that's something that he wants, even though he's seeing that these things are bad for people. So the thing we really need to see in season four is how much autonomy did Jaha have while under Ali's influence? Mm -hmm. Because I am not, I'm so not, I'm so not a Jaha apologist. (laughs) I am I'm super here to see his redemption arc because mm-hmm. as much as I have as much as I struggle with Jaha, I love thinking about Jaha. Mm. Um so I want to know, you know, at what point did he take the chip? For what reason did he do it? And you know, he says that it's to save their people, but it's obvious that he and Kane and Abby have always had very different ideas of how to save their people in the first place. Mhm. But it seems to me that the things that Jaha did under the chip seemed like they had a little bit more of his consent than everyone else. Yes. But that totally remains to be seen. And I'm really excited to see, you know, him trying to atone for that. Because it looks like he's hanging out with Bellamy and Clark at the end. Yeah. Also, like, wasn't he the one who was just like, take away their consent? Or like, let's start using torture to to make people take, you know what I... It wasn't he? Yeah, it was 100% his idea to start circumventing consent by threatening other people's lives, which is how he got Abby into the City of Light by getting Raven there, and then he got Kane in by threatening to kill Abby. And now we've learned that he got Amori in by saying, I'll take you to John. What? Oh my god, how heartbreaking was that, by the way? Very, very sad. Amori just, like, immediately was like, okay, yep, take I'm me in. to him. Like, oh, okay, anyway. <sighs> I have so many words about that. We will talk about them soon. Yes. Um, so, like, there's this woman crying, and she has a baby, question mark? I didn't notice that, question mark? Well, we thought, like, we were wondering what she was crying over, and she had, like, something in her arms, so we thought it was a baby. Oh, God. So now I'm thinking, was that baby in the City of Light? Or how did this baby die? But then again, it might not even be a baby. We all just thought yeah. it was a baby. It could have just been, like, her crying about a person who died. I don't know. Yeah, they could have just been holding, like, a piece of cloth. or I don't know. I have to go back and look. I didn't see that. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, she spits in Jaha's face, and I was kind of just like, oh, me too. <laughs> but I, whatever, Jaha, if you, if you want to try, you can try. I'm willing to hear this explanation. I'm super here to see him try and talk to Bellamy and Clark and have a plot line with them. That's going to be interesting as hell. Yeah, that will be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Indra, Kane hug. Good content. Very good content. Best friends. Very pleased. Because the only person that Indra has ever hugged is Lincoln, correct? Yes. Beautiful. I really like their relationship and the fact that uh, Indra kind of was immediately like, I know it wasn't you mm-hmm that's that's a lot of development for indra to be like okay i forgive you for this yes like she did that with lincoln 
but it took her even less time to do it with Kane. That's so nice. Yeah. Did you see that, like, edit that someone made that was just like, my best friend's Indra, and then it was like, I'm Indra. Yes. <laughs> with them wearing the t-shirts? Yeah. Did you see um, Adina Porter tweeting, and she's like, we lost the t-shirts. Yeah. And someone's like, oh, no. Did Abby take them? And she said, no. She was the one who was taking them to the dry cleaner. Like, <laughs> Adina has this whole headcan in her, in her head about this. Um, the next group of people that we're going to be talking about is Roan and Echo. Hey, do you think this episode was named after Echo? I feel like it probably was. It's probably a safe bet. Yeah, so it's like a pun in itself. Because it has so many different meanings. <gasps> There's the pun. So, first of all, shout out to Zach McGowan for being a series regular. And a total babe. And a total babe. And they're like, oh no. Rowan might die. And we're like, oh no. Whatever will we do? Like, whatever. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about Echo. The fact that Echo was in the City of Light. Mm -hmm. And it seems like... She did not like it there. Like, she said thank you to Clark for getting rid of it. And then, um, she also, I can't remember. She also said something else that she didn't like about it. But then later she said to Bellamy, in the City of Light, all this war was gone. But now it's back. So, like, I was a little unclear. I think it sounds like she's kind of resentful of the fact that they all got pulled out of the City of Light. Yeah. That's a parallel to Jasper then, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, uh, okay, so Echo is not marked with the Ice Nation stuff because she is, like, a spy, so she can come in and get through all the different types of grounders, but I also think that's just a an excuse <laughs> because they didn't know that she was Asgeta and what that meant in season two. But, like, what a, like, neat little yeah band-aid for that. Yeah. That was a great idea. I liked that a lot. Okay, and so, like, they're like, oh, no, we're being captured by the Ice Nation. Oh, oh no. And then, you know, Roan sits up and is just like, no, do not kill them, because that's how, like, narratives work. Right? Like, right at the last moment, he's like, I yeah. live. Wait. It is I, the king. He's like Mushu rising. I live. I live. Okay, so Roan has not been at home for three whole years which echo is like hey you haven't been home and Rowan's like that wasn't really my choice yeah he's like that's not what i picked though and like she keeps bringing up his mom which i think is like a bad way to get him to do stuff yeah does like echo's a spy shouldn't she know that manipulating people comes with not bringing up the thing that's going to make them do the opposite of what you want them to do hello Oh, Echo. Okay, Brittany, talk about the crown. <laughs> okay, here's the thing about the crown. One, love the costume designers to death. But two, definitely looks like someone at some point, I'm guessing Ron's grandfather, was watching old DVDs of Game of Thrones and was like, I'm gonna make me one of those to do some cosplay. But all he had paper mache. Yep, all he had available was like paper mache and some, I guess, some spare bone. Yep. So that's a look. It's, it's a, a look. look. Zach pull, pulls it off. It, it makes the scene where he goes, "No, get out!" even better for me. So I'm really pleased. Yeah, it, it gives him some power. Um. Okay, so like it's his grandfather's crown, right? So clearly, like. 
we know how monarchies work, and so it's been in his family for a really long time. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. His mom had a cooler crown, not gonna lie. Yeah. Okay, and um, the last thing I have about Roan is that he says that he's the eldest son of Naya. Does that mean he has brothers? Or sisters? Well, he's his eldest son, right? Well, because he is- I mean, a, sisters, sure, but like- Because he is a right? dude, so he would be the eldest son. But if he had an older sister, wouldn't she have been become queen? No, I'm saying he could have younger sisters too. Yeah, but he has to have brothers, right? I don't know. Why? Well, wouldn't he say, I'm the only son of Naya? Yeah, so he could have brothers and sisters. Yeah, but like he has to have brothers. Today and Brittany and Robin figure things out. <laughs> Words are really hard. Oh my god, family trees? I think the best part is that we're probably both saying the exact same thing and we just can't I figure it so out. I think so too. Okay, mm -hmm. I think we can just move on. Okay. Um, and the other thing is that we now know that his grandfather's name is Theo. Which, shout out to Theo from Unity Days. <laughs> With the best cosplay ever. Yeah. Theo cosplayed as Kane. And it was great. It was incredible. I had to do a double take. I mean, I don't even know if he listens to this stuff, but like, it's pretty, pretty fab. Okay, here's my... The first thing that I wrote down for the entire episode, my first question for the episode is, did Indra know that Octavia was going to kill Pike? I think that Indra knew that it was probably an inevitability. Yeah, like, I can't tell whether Indra was just like, here's our conspiratorial plan, let us kill Pike, this is when you will do it, or whether it was just like, you're prob probably gonna kill Pike, right? I mean, do it at the right time, though. I, I think it was definitely the second one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think she didn't want Octavia to kill Pike, but that she knew that it was something that could happen. And so she asked Octavia and Octavia's like, I, I at least waited until yeah. the right time. So that should be interesting going forward. So Indra brings up uh, some more grounder clan names. Um, we've got Rock Line. So, what are we thinking about that? Probably, like... Oh, wait. What? There's a, there's a guide online that Aaron Goodsberg posted of all of the symbols that represent each of the Grounder clans. Okay. And there's one, it's either Plains Riders or Rockline, but do you think that means we're going to get to actually see more Grounder clans? That would be cool. Because she says Rockline, and then she says Flow Crew, which, you know, which we know because that's Luna's stuff, right? Yeah. And then we have Broadleaf. That one's interesting. That's like a mystery to me. So there's Tree Crew, Asgeta, Float Flow Crew, Sangeta Crew, Poda Crew, Delphi Crew. That's the glowing clan with like the glowing butterflies. I am so into that. Oh, except that I just lied and glowing clan is Trishana Crew. Okay. So Delphi and Tr Trishana. And then Plains Riders, Blue Cliff, Shallow Valley, which is Loana. Rockline, Bodolan, and Broadleaf is something that I cannot pronounce. Okay. But <laughs> clearly Indra can't either. <laughs> she just refers to them, like, in English. She uses flow crew, but then the other ones she just can't say. I kind of wonder if the writers don't even know what they're called. Uh, and now we're going to talk about Murphy and Amori. So, like, I never liked Amori. 
And that's my issue because I pick a favorite character and then if anyone is a love interest of that character, I mm-hmm. don't like them. And that's just like mm-hmm. how my brain works. And that's why I'm worried about on Riverdale when they give Jughead a, a, a love interest. Not only am I going to be bitter about the fact that he they're not making him asexual, but I'm also going to be bitter about the fact that he has a love interest and I will hate her. But I will, I will be here to help you. Thank you. Think differently. Um, that's a plug for our Riverdale podcast. <laughs> um, uh, so I never liked Amori. And then we went to Unity Days and we spent a nice amount of time with Louisa, who is the nicest human being ever. Such an angel. Watching the Memori scenes, mm-hmm. like this episode, if it had been a year before, I would have been so upset the whole time. I'd have been like, ugh, whatever. But like... After Unity Days, I'm watching it, and I was just like, I love them. This is great. I was just like, look at how happy they are. I knew you would come around to her. <laughs> and so I'm just, look at my character development. You've had so much character development. You, you and Murphy are having concurrent character development. That's beautiful. Something that I really loved about their conversation is that he doesn't just grab her hand, but he grabs, like, the hand that she's, I was going to say that she's self-conscious about, but I know that she's not. No, she just, she was like, okay. Like, this is a part of me, and he, I like that he accepts that, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because Louisa talked about how, to John, it's like, because apparently, Amori's the only person who calls Murphy John. Yeah. It's just something that is completely part of her, and that he accepts, and like, it's not that he doesn't see it, but that he loves her because of it, not in spite of it. And then also, Richard said that he never, ever refers to Murphy as John, unless he's talking about Amori. Which is so sweet. (laughs) great i really i really love those two together and i really love the moment where he comes up and she's looting Mm -hmm. like already and she's like we need to find supplies and i was like girl you are looting after a bunch of people died but that's maury like that's her survival instinct like this is literally what you do in like a first person shooter video game she just goes up and she's like click oh yay coins and maury's the only person who knows what show she's on yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. One of my favorite Murphy moments this um, this episode was when Indra said, I didn't say that we could give him guns, and he said, that's probably because you're not an idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, that's my boy! Murphy likes Indra now. So Murphy and Amori run away together. Where'd they go? Which, like, on brand. Mm-hmm. But also, we know from Louisa that she hangs out with at least Raven at some point this season. And in the trailer, you see Murphy and Amari piloting the boat that has Raven and Abby and Miller on it. And Jackson. So I'm glad that it's not just being like another season of Murphy being off by himself. It's getting tiring that he's not pulled in with the rest of the cast. Yeah, and I bet like Richard's like, where are my friends? Yeah. I would be sad. I would be so sad. So, like, they'll probably end up back at Arcadia at some point. Yes. And speaking of Arcadia, why don't we move on to all the stuff that happened over there? What's the haps at Arcadia, kids? Okay, so let's first of all talk about Raven's brain upgrade. Yeah, I guess that didn't go away. I guess not. The City of Light gives you superpowers? Why only her? Do you think Clark's gonna get one too? Oh, Mom says, (laughs) why only Raven? And... Is Clark going to have an upgrade as well? 
Ooh. I wonder if only Raven, because she was like so close in with Allie, and then by that... She submitted. Oh, mom says because <laughs> she submitted. Her entire self. Her entire self. But then with that logic, since we were just talking about Jaha being her right-hand man, I wonder if Jaha got an, a brain upgrade too. Maybe he got like a wisdom upgrade as well. Wisdom upgrade. Maybe he got like a an okay person upgrade. What if he grew a conscience? <laughs> what if he grew a conscience? <laughs> what if Jiminy Cricket landed on his shoulder? <laughs> and it was Allie. <laughs> <laughs> Worst wow. conscience ever, by the way. Oh my gosh. Um, but I I'm excited to see Raven's brain upgrade because it seems like mm-hmm. she can do. Like, they obviously, they talked about it in season three, but they're really going to run with it this season. And already Raven is, like, one of the most intelligent people on the entire show. And so, like, giving her, like, more and having her be not only a lady, but also a person of color and a person with a disability and making her, like, one of the most important people on the show is, like, great. Yes! You can't see me, but my hands are in the air. (laughs) She's at, at what point do you think that is she going to start like constructing a suit and then start flying around in it and become Iron Man? Yo, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I solved it. And also what's great about it is that Lindsay is so aware of, of how important that is. Mm-hmm. At Unity Days, one of the things that Lindsay talked about was the fact that playing Raven is such an honor as a woman of color, representing women and people with disabilities and the fact that she actually is in physical pain when she plays Raven because the brace and everything and the limp actually hurts her body, but that she would not change a single thing about being Raven and she Mm -hmm. accepts that pain. Lindsay is amazing. Lindsay is amazing. She's the best. And she's so beautiful. They're all so beautiful beautiful and so nice and so fabulous. Looking at them is like looking at works of art. Yes. Because Lindsay, Lindsay was late, and so, like, while I was in line to get Richard's autograph, I was, like, trying to see her, and as soon as I saw her, I was just like, <gasps> She's otherworldly. It's true. Yeah. I'm just like, imagine seeing Marie in person. I could not handle seeing a jawline that good in person. I'm, like, so... I, okay, I have no more words. <laughs> We should direct our words back towards Arcadia. Yeah. Um, so, like, Marper. That happened? Um, I'm not angry about it anymore. Like, I don't hate it. I don't hate it either, but, you know, when I saw that, I was just like, I know that they're not rubbing it in my face, but it sure felt like it. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to explain why you're upset for people who are new? Oh, sure. So, like, I had a whole segment called Asexual Monty, question mark, question mark, question mark, because I really thought that Monty was going to be our representation on this show. Um, And I was hopeful all the way up until Red Sky at Morning, and then I got so upset that I had to, like, not watch the episode for a while. That Um, That was a really hard day. It was really hard, but I've also kind of just learned and, like, thought about it and said that's never who he was and that's just something that was in my head and like that's okay um Mm -hmm. but like 
it felt really like an unnecessary plot point in the in the episode that it happened in in season three. It came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. And, you know, Raven comes in at the end and she says, finally. And I'm like, finally what? I do like Raven's habit of walking in on them. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, this happens again and I'm just like, but why? Because, like, we, we've already had one of these. Why is this needing to happen again? It just feels unnecessary to me. Not only, not just because it makes me sad. <laughs> My thing is, last season I was kind of running cold on it just because it did it did come out of nowhere and ravens finally was clearly like the writers going look it was a thing you should you should accept this and i was like no it wasn't but after seeing how amazing a person chelsea is yeah she deserves it. i just yeah i want chelsea to be a happy actor so like if Marper is the thing that brings Chelsea joy, like, she's a series regular now, like, she's just such a cool and amazing person, mm-hmm. I'm on board with Marper because it makes Chelsea happy. Yeah, I agree. And Chris is just, like, you know, like, a human sloth. He's the weirdest so like, sloth I've ever seen in my life. He's, yeah, he's definitely weirder than, like, any actual sloth that I've ever seen, but I love him. And then you, like, watch the show and you're like, wow, compared to Chris, like, Monty's quick. Yeah. He's, like, actually walking at a normal pace. Yeah, and he, he speaks at a normal pace and, like, moves, yeah. like, not like he's running through quicksand. Yeah, it's amazing. So, like, I'm on board with Marper just because I, li- I like those two actors. Yeah, because I want Chelsea to be able to be doing stuff. Yeah, and she seems so excited. The last thing that I had about Arcadia is, um, let's just talk about Jasper. Oh, yeah. Ja- yeah. When he first, like, picked up the gun, I was just like, why? Like, I just, for a second I thought that he was just actually going to go and, like, do what he was meant to do at the end of season three. I mean, later I realized, like, I remembered that we saw things in the trailer where he was, like, happy and stuff. Um, But I was like, why is he just, like, turning, like, how long has it been since the end of season three? Like, hardly any time, right? It's been, like, ten minutes tops. So, like, he walked over at the end of season three and then came back and they were playing music. And then, like, I don't know. I don't know. I think it was all of his feelings came rushing back and he was like, I remember why I took this chip now. Yeah. And even though we don't 100% know why he took the chip, because we didn't see it. Yeah. It was... It kind of felt like the, it definitely, like you said, felt like the writers were just going to go through with what they put off last season. And then I was like, why bring Devin back then? Yeah. But I'm glad they didn't do yeah. it. Like, I'm, I, I have hope because Jasper's plotline, mm-hmm. I think, is so important to people with, that struggle with depression and, you know, a whole array of mental health issues. I'm glad that they're taking him to this dark place. Because sometimes when you're in that state of mind, you do go to that horrible place. And there's nothing wrong with representing that. I'm just hoping that they do it in a respectful way because at this point it kind of feels inevitable that Jasper will die. And I really, really hope that if Jasper does die, that it's not via suicide and that it's via radiation. Yeah. If it has to happen, then it's because this is like the big bad of the of the season. And not because he like gave in like he did with the chip there's always a certain merit in 
telling a story where it ends in suicide, of course, because that is something that happens in real life. Yes. But in the world that we live in now, I think we need stories that are more about hope and that you can get past the demons that are bogging you down, like that you can move forward as a person. And I think that if Jasper dies via radiation, it still feels like that's the thing he wants because he can put off killing himself now because he's going to die in six months anyway. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of hoping that he is at least at peace with whatever happens, but a huge part of me just doesn't want it to happen at all. Yeah, me too. But I think that if it does happen, Jasper deserves to go out swinging. Yeah. But let's talk about, because he was planning on doing it, and um, so he had Maya's painting, which he had just, like, kept. Yeah, I think he had it in his room, and he just kept it. Because he, like, had brought it back from Mount Weather, I guess? Okay. And then he wrote a letter, and it was just to Monty. Just to Monty. Like, that is so heartbreaking. That hurts. But, like, it was really, I don't know, that... It's hard to talk about because we don't quite know where it's leading yet. But, you know, it was very powerful imagery to see him prepare it all. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. And so, it was Harper's gun, for sure, because when he brought it out at the very end, she looked in her holster. And she was just like, whoop. Yeah. I feel like Harper didn't think that she had to be on guard after they saved the world. (laughs) She's probably just like, okay. She's like, what the hell, man? After they already had that thing where she, he was just like, whoops, sorry for, or can I plead the chip? <laughs> How beautiful was that line, by the Which way? Which totally reminded me of that moment at Unity Ace when they were talking about the chip. They they all came up with uh, different ways to integrate the word chip into their excuses for things. So I think you said one, which is I was totally chip-faced. Yeah. that I think that was Eliza's. Yeah, that was Eliza's. <laughs> Yeah, that was a really good So one. clearly on set, they've all come up with these jokes already. And then he says he's going to go watch the sunrise, which I think was, we used to be like a thing that he and Monty would do, right? Uh, did they? Didn't he say that in the, um, in season three when Raven was asking him questions about Monty and like trying to figure out what his like favorite color was and where his favorite place was to find out his password? See, you're the jaunty expert here. What up? Hashtag jaunty. Jaunty expert. Well, that hurts. And then, you know, when he said that, I was like, Monty, go join him. Go watch the sunrise together. Maybe he and Harper and uh, Jasper can all sort of create a little healing circle. Yes. Well, Raven science is the crap out of everything. Even though she should be in the healing circle. She needs to sit for a bit. She should be. I think her healing circle is going to be with Abby. Yeah. Because they were, like, best friends. Yeah. First best friends. Based off of what Lindsay said, I think we're going to get some quality Abby and Raven time. So Abby will, or Raven will get an opportunity to work it out. Yeah. And then our very last point is just that little clip that we saw from Egypt at the end of the episode. Egypt, which is some sand dune in a factory area in Vancouver. Well, cause, yeah, because when I saw it for the first time, I was just like, the dead zone. It's so close. But then you see the pyramids. Yeah. I, I, and you're like, that's not there. <laughs> I kind of, I thought for a second that the two figures were Murphy and Amori. Me too, because like, that's where they used, they like met and stuff. Yeah. And then like, these two characters 
It felt like I was supposed to know them. But they were red shirts, I guess. Like, this, the girl, like, leans down, and it's like this, like, the guy is, like, dying or whatever, and I'm just like, why do I care? Well, I think because they were the example of the first people to show signs of radiation sickness. Yeah. But I'm also just like, why? But how much did you love seeing another part of the world that wasn't um, the East Coast of the United States? I loved it. And, like, take a look at, like, the the markings on her face. Yeah, totally Very different. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. I want to see more of the world now. Like, I would... Show me Europe. <laughs> I would kill to see post-apocalyptic Paris. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's exactly what I was thinking. And maybe some of the uh, Asian countries and <gasps> Australia. Yes. The Australians are probably all fine. Yeah. <laughs> they probably have, like, a completely functioning society with, like, water and internet and, like, an infrastructure. And they're like, yeah, we just let the rest of the world just chill. Yeah, we don't usually use airplanes anymore. Yeah. Whatever. They're like, yeah, you thought that Australia had a lot of scary stuff. Now the rest of you are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely want to see that. And um, maybe Spain? Ooh, that might be cool. And Japan, for sure. Yeah. I hope we get to see that. That would be really cool. That would be really cool. I'm trying to think of all the other, all the other, like, um, wonders of the world. Oh, my God. Brazil and Mexico, too. Yeah. Like, I, I want to see all of these things. And I know we're only going to get to see the East Coast of the United States, which is just <laughs> British Columbia. Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. <gasps> that would be so cool. Maybe that would be so cool. I wonder if it's run dry. Maybe there's an Asgeta settlement up near Niagara Falls. Wouldn't that be cool? Yes, with all their Timmies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's where they have it, eh? Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so I think now we're just moving on to our segments, right? Yes, ma'am. Moving with my theme of asexual Monty, question mark, question mark, question mark, which has been shot down. Um, my new segment, which I think has more hope, is asexual Indra, question mark, question mark, question mark. And so far... We all good. Um, I am so happy for you right now. And I also know that a lot of people Thanks. are actually really on board this. So I think you were going to make a lot of people happy by talking about this. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Asexual anybody? I'm pleased. Okay. So when we were at the Giantist, my running statement over there was CGSW, the Clark Griffin Shower Watch. And I'm going to continue it over here because it doesn't look like... I mean, it kind of looks like Clark had a shower, right? I guess. Like, her hair looks cleaner. Yeah, but it still has all those, like, braids in it. Yeah, and it's still all matted with those fake dreads. Yeah, and she still has, like, blood all over her chest. Yeah. So, Clark Griffin shower watch. Clark Griffin has not yet had a shower, but I feel confident that she might get one soon because she's going back to Arcadia. Yes. So... Maybe she'll brush her hair. Maybe she'll get some soap. I mean, we see Jasper showering in the trailer, so I can hope for Clark, too. Um, and my other segment that I'm sort of taking uh, away from what I used for the giantess after Asexual Monty was taken from me it was called the Sass Watch. So this is the post-apocalyptic Sass Watch. Um, my number one this week goes to Monty Green for Knocking's Not Your Thing, Is It? And my runner-up goes to John Murphy... Uh, for that's probably because you're not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> if Murphy doesn't make the sass watch every week, I will be surprised. Uh, uh, if he's not in the episode, that's the only way. Yep. 
I have just come up with my second segment, which is going to feel super on brand. It is the Marcus Kane beard appreciation segment. Yeah. And I would just like to say in this episode, good beard, good beard. Br- good beard. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. Good content. Keep good, doing your thing. Yep. yep. All right. And that's it. Cool. So what we're going to do now, which is uh, our new tradition for every week, is we are going to live react to the trailer for next week, the extended one that gets released with the East Coast airing of the episode. So let's do this thing. Okay. Okay. I'm going to count us down and then we'll press play. Ready? Yep. Three, two, one, press play. It's raining in BC. That's revolutionary. (sighs) Brian. Oh my god, Clark took a shower. Oh my god. What machine? Hydrazine. Throwback to Hydrazine. What? Oh. What slaves? Yeah. Who are these people? Oh, Clark's having a bad day. Oh, Monty's having a bad day. So, like, but, like, what, is what are these slaves? Also, I need to go back and look at what that, like, piece of paper even said. Uh, yeah. And also... Could that be? Is this? I know this is from the original trailer, but is that farm station wreckage? Oh. Uh, it says moving us tomorrow. Help. So that from the slaves, what? I guess. I have no idea where these slaves are coming from. I. It's very strange. But if it's farm station and they, Pike did say they landed in Asgeta territory, it could be that Asgeta took the rest of farm station as slaves. And Pike didn't know and thought they all died? Possibly. It could oh. be that parts of Farm Station are alive. But also, what the hell is this machine? I have no idea. I'm like so... I don't even know. Because, guys, if it's the machine from Person of Interest, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> she was my favorite character. <laughs> she was an artificial intelligence. She was beautiful. She was beautiful. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode back with 100. Um, our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, stay tuned for Riverdale, which we will be recording tomorrow night. Yeah, make sure you watch that. It's on Netflix. In oh, Canada. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, you can follow at The Aficionados on Twitter, and you can tweet us with anything that you would like to dis- like us to discuss or anything that you would like to say, and we will talk about it. <laughs> and use GIFs. Yeah, use GIFs. We like doing that. And then Mm -hmm. we text each other and say, did you really use that gif? And we say yes. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at at Britannia. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A. I I just tried to spell my actual name instead of my Twitter name. Uh, (laughs) With an underscore at the end because someone else has Britannia and we're not talking about it. You can also follow me at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y on pretty much everything that twitter and instagram and snapchat and anything you can think well maybe not anyway i also have at the hundred script um we're tweeting every line of the hundred and we're on resurrection right now it's in season two and it's happening um stay tuned next week when we cover episode 402 which is heavy lies the crown okay love you bye okay love you bye bye bye